everybody, and welcome to That's So Original Podcast, the podcast that talks to you about original streaming programming, TV series, and movies, and all that good stuff. And today, I have to take responsibility for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Today, it was me. Today, we are talking about The Vast of Night, which is on Prime Video. Also known as Thanks I Hate It, because that's what this movie is. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm telling you, the trailers, we've been duped by the trailers twice now, because you think it's going to be, like, not... I will say, spoiler alert, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. This is about aliens and alien abduction. There you go. That's how the movie ends. They get abducted by aliens. Can we... Are we done now, though? I know. Can we, can, can can we, we just go? be done with that? Can, I mean, we, can we go? Yeah. So, I mean, I knew it was going to be about that, but I, just, I don't know. I thought it looked interesting, especially with it being set in a different, you know, in the 50s. I thought this could be cool. No, it's I not didn't cool watch either. the trailer. I went in blind and I was like, what the hell is she doing? Why? <laughs> Why is she doing this to me? And, and it's filmed very strangely. There are really no cuts in the scenes. This is a continuous an hour and I guess it ends up being about an hour and 20 minutes just of continuous filming. The summary of this movie, if you IMD be this movie, it says, in the twilight of the 1950s, on one fateful night in New Mexico, a young switchboard operator, Faye. Now, Faye is played by an actress named Sierra McCormick. Do you know who she is? The only thing I know her as is, well, there's two things. She was Lilith in Supernatural. Oh, yeah. In, like, season four, I think it was. And then she was on the show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? She was the little blonde girl from Ant Farm. My kids love that show on the Disney Channel. They used to watch it all the time. Never seen that. So she's been in a lot of things, just not a lot of things. I, this, I think of. this is her first adult role. I don't know. Well, I have. I don't watch Supernatural. Was she an adult in Supernatural? No, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. uh. She was. She was a child character. Okay. Yeah. So this is like she's a teen in this movie, but this is her first not little kid role. I think so. Yeah. That's. What I gathered when I was looking at her stuff. So it's switchboard operator Faye and charismatic radio DJ Everett, who is played by Jake Horowitz. And none of the things that he had been in were anything I had heard of. Did you look him up? I looked him up. I've never heard of him. Um, charismatic is a stretch in that <laughs> description. 
We also like to call him as Douche Canoe. I was just getting ready to say, I think they meant Douchey Radio DJ. I'm pretty sure I think that's they, what they meant. I don't know. This whole movie had student film vibes, and it was just... <laughs> oh my god, yes. I was seriously, seriously had to go back and look, because I assumed the guy who was playing Everett wrote it, and that's why he wrote himself this way. Like, that was his idea of how a cool dude would act. And I was sadly disappointed when I found out he was not the writer because I was sure that that's what the story was. But that anyway. would have made so much more sense. <laughs> uh, it says they discover a strange audio frequency that could change their small town and the future forever. Okay. So when we're starting off, we're seeing an old timey TV set and it is playing a TV program called Paradox Theater, which has very the Twilight Zone vibes. This night's episode, The Vast of Night, set in Cayuga City. Cayuga City is in New Mexico. Yeah. And they show a man, and he's talking to another man. They're talking about a big game that's going to happen that night. So we zoom kind of into that screen of the TV, and now we are in real life, quote unquote, at Cayuga High School. And we see one of our main characters, Everett, in the parking lot. And he's talking with this other guy. Apparently, Everett is here to help set up the audio recording equipment for this huge basketball game that they're having tonight. As he walks into the basketball court, there's a girl who leans over from the bleachers above. And this is Faye. And she asks him if she can bring her new tape recorder over so he can show her how it works. And for some reason, he says she sounds like a mouse being eaten by a possum. And Everett has a lot of really weird lines like this in the movie. They're quote unquote, cool 50 dude. Oh, 50 dude lines. Yeah, I think. I think that's what they were going for. They failed horribly, but that's what they were going for. (laughs) I wrote them all down because I just cackled at some of them. They were so ridiculous. So there's a lot of back and forth about people needing Everett. And the long and short of it is that Everett really only needs to be here for this recording equipment. So he does whatever he needs to do to help this guy get the reel going. And the guy who was recording the game, he asks whether you can record using the same reel that they've already recorded on. And Everett asks him if he's ever read the Bible. The guy right. says, yes. <laughs> and Everett says, well, there's your answer. It's the answer for everything. It's the answer yeah. for everything. Answer to what? Everything. Uh, also, yes, you can use the same reel. Well, uh, from what I gathered is they called him there because the lights were flickering at the game. It seemed to be like, everybody's like, well, get Everett, get Everett. Like, he's the savior. But it's like, oh, no, last time it was a squirrel. A squirrel chewed through the line. That's, that seems to be a running gag. They get him in there, and the guy who's like the custodian's like, yeah, I didn't ask for Everett. I asked for Emmett. He's an electrician. I don't need this Everett, dude. I'm like, oh, this story's off and running to a whole lot of nowhere. Cool. I have huge problems with Everett and Rennie. This guy, Rennie, just kind of leans over when he's talking to Everett and he's in the band. He's got a trombone. And Everett's like, hand me your trombone. He's like, why? Just hand it to me. And then he just walks off with it and he goes and locks it up in a cabinet and Faye's like, why did you take his trombone? What are you doing? He's like, he needs to be punished for being Rennie. Because Everett's a dick. What, what is happening? So, okay, he's ready to help Faye and she bought this tape recorder from Montgomery Ward and I'm like, do you remember Montgomery Ward? Did I you do. ever have? Oh, I loved Montgomery Ward. We got our dining room set from there when I was a kid. That was a thing. My mom and I loved together. So he tells her how to press the record button and she's like well what do I say and he's like okay here's what you say I'm not now nor have I ever been a member of the communist party which (laughs) is um a quote from Leonard Bernstein incidentally and then somehow it's an intro to Gunsmoke when it was a radio show yeah so he plays back her talking and she's super excited. She's like, oh, this is so fun. And they're fake interviewing as they're walking through the parking lot. He says all this weird radio DJ stuff about bacon biscuits and it's spinning sister. And I don't know what any of it means, but I've decided I'm going to use Let's Bake Biscuits in a conversation at some point. Well, I just love that some carload of guys just drive by and hoots at him. Everett's like... 
those guys know me. I'm Everett. Oh, and I was like, shut up. He is such a nerd. I'm five minutes in and I hate you. He acts like he's the cool dude and he's like the AV dude. Calm yes. down. He's the AV nerd and he's like, oh, I'm the radio DJ from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. So I'm super popular. Well, then, like, Faye is practicing and he just tells her, shut up, Faye. And I was like, fuck you, Everett. How dare you tell her to shut up? Hate you, Everett. That's my notes say, okay, I hate him. <laughs> so um Faye and Everett take off walking and once again it's just long tracking shots with no cuts which is cool if you're a filmmaker it's very well done it's very student film it's like we could have done this so much easier and more coherently if we just put a cut in every once in a while mm-hmm. but they're recording on her tape recorder and Everett is acting like he's interviewing Faye and he tells her to take a cigarette because everyone smokes on the microphone. And they stop at the Oliver family and interview them about the lights flickering. And Everett's like, oh yeah, you heard about Chipmunk? What's about Chipmunk? And he is so rude to these people. And then he tells them no one wants to listen to them talk while they're eating. And the family just eats up his rudeness like, oh, that Everett. <laughs> he talked to us and he's so cool. You're not, you're not cool. Spoiler alert. It's Faye's turn to awkwardly interview people, and they're the Seward family. And she's like, do you know Bacon Bacon 940? And the dad's like, uh, I think you mean Breaker Breaker. And I was like, is she really this stupid? She can't be this stupid. She seems like a smart girl. Yeah, and in the very next section talks about how much she likes science, and she's yeah. all about all these different... Yeah, okay. Everett's telling them, well, you're on the Cuyahoga Queen Teenage Rendezvous. Faye takes requests and tells stories of young love. Like, this is her radio show. But Mrs. Seward wants Faye to tell on the recorder all about the Grimaldi's business. And her husband tells her to shut her mouth. And Mrs. Seward is appalled. I'm appalled. What the fuck is happening? I don't know. 1950s, man. What a time to be alive and be a female. And then they leave the parking lot of the gymnasium. And they're walking down the street. And, well, I have in my notes, Faye and Everett are walking. Where are they going? Out of nowhere, there's an animal following them. And they don't seem to care. I think it was a dog. It was hard to see. (laughs) Faye's talking about how much she loves science and how she plays the French horn, which she's carrying, and she's refusing to let Everett carry because he might drop it and he might break it and then she'd get in trouble. But she can't play the French horn in the pet band because she works the switchboard at night. Everett is asking Faye about her job and he's like, tell me about the craziest color you've ever had. And she's like, I can't tell you that. That would be breaking confidentiality. She's like, I can tell you about some science I was reading. And then she opens up her case and she's got a bunch of different magazines in there and she's talking about... First, she talks about how she's stashing hairpins in there because you never know when you need them. Uh-huh. But in this magazine, it's talking about an experiment in Lincoln, Nebraska of an RC car that the communication is buried in the pavement to communicate to the car through radio control. You press a button on the car that says electronic drive and the car drives for itself. So it doesn't need ice to work. So it can maneuver if the weather is bad or your lights are out or if you're blind. And a voice will come over the radio and give you directions. So GPS or Siri basically, is what I'm And this will happen by 1974. And by 1990, all roads will be electronic. And then she picks up a scientific digest and she reads directly from this about this vacuum tube transport that they think will happen by the year 2000. And at birth, babies will receive a phone number, also see smartphones. Yeah. And it says, if you call someone and they don't answer, then they must be dead because they always have their phone with them. <laughs> not, if, not if you're a millennial. Yeah. And Everett tells her, I believe in the electric cars and tube transport, but the TV telephones are cuckoo. Okay, Everett. And then they separate and go to their respective jobs. I have in my notes, finally a scene cut. Yes. It's one of the very, very few. I liked how they described the underground trains as the trains would be going like hot dogs through a garden hose. I was like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right. So this scene cut, we're back to that little TV screen that kind of looks like a 1950s resolution. And it shows us Faye walking into the switchboard building. Another woman is there. Her name is Ruth. And they're talking about the basketball team again, I guess. Basketball's pretty big in this town. They must not play football here. Or maybe it's just basketball season. And Faye asks if the lights were flickering there and Ruth says no, and Faye says, well, that's weird because they were flickering over at the school and they were working on it over there. But anyway, the phone rings and as Ruth leaves, she tells Faye that the line to St. Muriel has got a permanent signal, so it's no good. And I don't know if that ever came back. I don't even remember. I don't think it did. So Ruth walks out and Faye picks up the ringing line and she asks which number they want for the line just clicks off. 
So she's like, okay, well, that was weird. She gets up and turns on the radio just in time to hear Everett and his radio voice, his super cool DJ voice, introduce WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and he starts the news. But as he's talking, his voice starts to fade out, and we hear, according to my prime captioning, staticky electrical humming. Okay? Yeah. So this humming is, like, coming through the radio. The phone rings, and Faye answers it. And she's in a switchboard, so if you don't know what a switchboard is, it's like these plugs. It's not like she's actually picking up a phone receiver. She's picking up these plugs and plugging it into the lines where it's lighting up and where the call is coming through. So anyway, she answers the phone, and she again hears that staticky humming. So she connects to another, who I'm assuming is another switchboard operator, and asks her if she's ever heard this before. And the operator's name is Winnie. And Winnie says no, but she'll play it for some of the other switchboard operators to see if they've heard it. So another call comes in and... Again, the line is kind of staticky. The woman's voice is distorted, but you can hear her say that there's a strange, large object over her land that looks like a tornado that's swirling faster and faster. She wants Faye to send the police. And Faye asks if this is emergency. I'm like, Faye, the lady just asked for you to send the police. Just freaking do it. But Faye needs a more specific location, obviously. And the lady says they're going into the cellar and the call ends. Faye tries to get in touch with the police, but gets no answer. So she, I guess she calls the station or maybe dispatch because she actually. I think she calls another operator. Okay. That's what I got. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. That's what I had. It's very confusing. But this girl her name is Josie she says that a trucker just came in and reported that something whipped the wind up quote unquote and made him spill his truck so there were apparently avocados everywhere and I'm like oh man somebody should run there with some pico de gallo and make some guacamole what a waste I've never had it I've never had it is that weird you've never had guacamole or an avocado what the hell Tiffany Okay. It's called Midwest. <laughs> Look, when we go to our fancy restaurant and I buy you your steak dinner, I'm going to be like, bring bring her some guacamole while you're She's out. very freaking sheltered. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to click back two things. Yeah. The racism is strong oh, in this one. Oh, I, I, I have that noted later on. I'm like, holy crap. First, when Faye gets to the switchboard, the lady that's there ahead of her is like talking about, they're talking about how Everett is a fun boy and he's really neat. And then she's asking about, did you see the players from the other team at the baseball game? And she Basketball. said, um, ba- I'm sorry. Yeah. At the sports team rehearsal. <laughs> um, but they, she says, well, you know, a lot of the players on the team are Indian. So they're really big and they're going to beat us like a drum. Cringe, 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 cringe. Uh, 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 I feel dirty. Yeah. But, uh, anywho. So Faye makes a few calls, trying to get a hold of people. She gets cut off. She decides to call home where her friend, I think it's her friend, Ethel, is supposed to be babysitting her little sister. Or wait a minute. Is it her cousin? Oh, it's her cousin. It's, yes, her, it cousin. Is her cousin. It's her cousin, Ethel. I don't know. Ethel sucks. We're going to come back to it. <laughs> Ethel is supposed to be watching her little sister, Maddie, while her mother is at work because she's a nurse and she works nights. So she calls to check on them. And she says, why don't you just call Everett about the sound? And don't be shy about him. I don't see what the big deal is. Just, you know, just call Everett. He's a douche. Why would you be afraid of him? Yeah. Then the line disconnects. So Faye decides to call the next door neighbor, which I didn't grab her name. But um, Mm -hmm. this lady gives zero fucks that these kids are at home and their line is dead. She's like, could you just go over and check on him? Because the line went dead and I've been hearing this weird sound and I'm kind of freaked out. And the lady's like, um, well, my hands are deep in a bowl of cookie dough right now. I can't do that without dirtying up my doorknobs. Lady. <sighs> it's called a towel. It's called washing your hands. But she says, can you just wait until I get these in the oven and then I will go check on them? And I was like, this scene is so long and boring. I just can't. This had promise, but damn, dude. this is." I think this is where I had to stop the first time through and be like, I'll pick this up later. Well, in my handy dandy Amazon as I'm watching it, because I was watching on my Kindle, 
I get a little trivia that comes up and it says, apparently the switchboard scene is nine minutes, but it was originally cut down from the original 11 minute take. Oh God. So this scene could have been 11 minute and I wanted to cry after five. So <laughs> just so we're clear. So finally, Faye gets the balls and decides to call Everett at the station. And he's immediately irritated that she called him because you could have, this could have been a real caller, Faye. I thought you were a real person. I didn't want to talk to you. My God, I hate him so much. I hate him so much. You know, she says, well, I prefer this world sound. And he cut out your show. And he's like, I cut out my show. Ugh. What? How dare they? And then he asks her if it sounds Mexican because they cross signals with a station in Mexico from time to time. Sounds Mexican. I'm shaking my head so furiously right now. Oh. Faye says it sounded unsafe. And Everett's like, what do you want me to do? I, I guess I'll listen to it. So she clicks the plug in so he can hear the sound. And then all of a sudden Everett is more concerned that the sound interrupted his amazing broadcast. And Faye's kind of concerned about the lady screaming, but not enough to do anything about it, apparently. <laughs> Everett decides to put the sound on the air. He thinks if he can play it out over the air, maybe somebody has heard it before Maybe knows that it's an interference of some sort. Maybe there's some army testing going on. It is New Mexico after all. Something could be happening. Mm -hmm. So he tells Faye, I'm going to put this on the radio. Do not call me for 10 minutes. Do not. So he puts it on. So being broadcast across the radio waves is this weird sound. And Faye is just like fit to be had. Still not doing anything with the lady screaming in her cellar. But decides to go run to the door and smoke a cigarette. Because she's just so upset. And also a little turned on by Everett because whatever. She likes douches. Did you see what time it was? I didn't, but I it comes back later. It's 7.18. Yeah. It's pitch black. What the hell? I have that later in my notes that something like it was like 7 o'clock. Like they say something like when did it first start and like 7 o'clock. I was like, what fucking A, man? Why is it so dark out? Yes. It's I, New Mexico. I That was like a real discontinuity that I, I just could not. Get over. I figured it was midnight. I figured yes. it was midnight. That's what But I, then I couldn't figure out why they were playing basketball so damn late. Thank you. So. Um, that Yes. All very. Student confusing. film. Student <laughs> film. Yeah. Well, because it plays better as a film that happens at night. You know what I mean? <sighs> I don't know, man. I think it would have sucked in the daytime, too. It would have been terrible in the daytime. <laughs> it was barely tolerable at night. So as Faye is outside smoking the cigarette, we have this... Oh, this is, again, very student film, and we are panning very quickly down the middle of the street and then across a field, past some houses, through a parking lot, and into the gymnasium, where you can see that the basketball game is in full swing. Everyone's cheering. There's a random kid on a scooter in the middle of the... Did you notice that? What no, the hell's that about? I did not. I There's did a not. kid riding a scooter, like, through, like, the basketball players for no reason. Okay. All right. Anywho. Okay. Anywho. <laughs> so we pan through the audience and then we're back out of the gym, back down the street. And now we're panning to the radio station where Everett is standing outside smoking a cigarette. I think it's supposed to like symbolize the sound. Okay. Like the sound is going through town. I don't know. It made me sick. It was like first person GoPro going very quickly through all these. Yeah. Scenes. It made me nauseated. It, 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 mm -mm. Mm -mm. We're with Everett at the radio station now and the phone rings inside. It's Faye. She says, I have a caller from out of town. His name is Billy. Everett is like, holy crap. He is stoked. He's like, I'm going to put him live on the air. This part kind of cuts back and forth between that old-timey TV screen and hearing Billy tell his story. And he is talking about his time in the military. One night, he was woken up by his superior. He was told to get into uniform, and then he was loaded onto a plane. They made a few more stops to pick up some other guys, and when they landed, they loaded onto a bus where all the windows were painted black so they couldn't see where they were. When they got to wherever their destination was and they got out, they were in a desert and there were tents and bunkers everywhere and they were told they were in a classified area. All of the men were sent to this sandy alcove and told to dig a square hole. So they dug this hole and then they built walls and floors out of uh, blocks and concrete and there was a window to a viewing room and then they put in all this ventilation and one day they woke up and there was something huge in this hole covered with a tarp. Now we cut back to Everett and he says what do you mean there was something huge like what does that mean? Billy says it was bigger than an airplane and it was guarded all day. 
They didn't ask what it was because they knew they weren't supposed to. So Billy continues talking about how they built a ceiling and their job was done. So they loaded back onto the plane to leave. When they started to take off, the radios started playing that sound that you played on the radio tonight. And as they flew off, they could see that the airstrip was being covered with dirt. So it didn't look like anybody had ever been there. You know, no planes had ever landed there. And the sound disappeared or, you know, faded as they got further away. When he got back home, he became very sick with a lung condition. And he thinks it was something in that area that made him sick. And a few years later, he ran into someone else who had worked there and they had gotten sick too. He told Billy about another time he had been picked up for a secret mission that involved transporting something really big on a barge and then transferring it to some army trucks. And again, when they had gotten done with this secret mission, uh, all the radios started playing this weird staticky humming sound. And as they got further away from it, the sound faded. Also, this guy had no idea what it was. And Billy says in the military, it's like you only know a piece of something. You don't ever know the whole thing. They get different people to do different parts of a mission so that one person doesn't know everything. And Everett asks if the sound is a military sound. And Billy says that as far as he and this other person he had talked to about the noise were concerned, it was not military from any country. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything that they knew of could fly. He knew this, he being the other guy that Billy was talking to, because he was a radar operator. And so that's pretty much his expertise, you know, where things are in the sky. So as he's talking, the line clicks off and Everett says they need to call him back. Faye says they can't. The lines don't work like that. It's not like you can star 69 him or Or look at your cell phone and be like last caller. Yeah. But the phone rings again and it's Billy and he's put through again, who is connected to Everett and Everett. This made me so mad because Everett's like, well, I don't think I can put you on the air anymore because I don't know if what you're telling is the truth. I'm like, no one's listening to your show, Everett. They're all at the basketball game. Just let the man talk. But Everett wants some proof. He's like, I need to know why you're telling me this. And I need to know whether this is true. Billy says he's telling Everett this because he's sick and he's old and no one listens to them anyway. And he really wants people to know what they did. And he thinks one reason that no one will listen to him is because he's black. And Everett says, wow, I've never had a black caller before. I'm like, oh, my God, the 50s, man. And Billy says, well, I guess I should have told you. As much as this is racist as shit, I kind of liked the point of this. It was a sign of the times. This was interesting. Yeah, this was really interesting. So Billy goes on to say that everyone who went on these secret missions, these details, were either black or Mexican. So if they tried to tell anyone what they saw, no one would listen because, as we said, back in the 50s, you know, these, they were second-class citizens, and I hate to say that, but that was the... Unfortunately, that's how it was. That was how it was back then. It sucks, but, um, so he's saying, you know, you get these people out there and they see something, they try to tell somebody, they're gonna say, oh, whatever. Billy says, here's something you can check so you can tell that I'm not lying. The guy, the radar operator who he's already talked about, he was trying to record these sounds. He finally recorded one. He made copies and he sent them to all of these guys that work, the details. Everett asks if he knows what the sounds are. Billy says the radar guy thinks, and this is a quote, it's something talking and disappearing, something very high that we can't see. What do you think it is, you guys? I am totally stumped. I think it's Teletubbies. That's what I have in my notes. Anyway, Everett asks if he still has the tape. Billy says, no, he burned it. But there was another guy, conveniently. Right, right. I mean, how weird. That lives in Cayuga, or lived in Cayuga, that had a tape. He was an ex-Air Force guy. But Faye says this man, his name was Raymond Buck. He died, and his wife donated all of his tapes to the library. And they still have them in the basement. And Faye knows how to bust into the library. So Billy's like, go find it now. Something's up there, and they don't stay for long. Ba-da-da-da! Yeah, because Billy thought it was this guy's tape they were playing on the air. Right. So that's why he's like, well... You got the guy, the one guy from Cayuga that had a tape. You must have his tape. 
I don't know. I missed how Faye knew how to break into this house. <sighs> Me but too. She's going uh, to go break in this house. What house was she even breaking into? Because she breaks into some place and gets the keys and then she breaks into the library. I don't even know. This is because I was so confused. This is, I, I'll read for you what I have. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> Faye, it's in the basement. Everett, nope, you're dumb. I'm awesome. Faye, I know how to get in the. <laughs> Faye, I know how to get in the library. Everyone is at the game. I can go break in right now. Everett, what happens if we find that tape and play it? Billy, if you're going to do it, you better do it. They don't stay for long. Faye is about to wet her pants. <laughs> Everett tells her to run because obviously his job is way more important than a phone operator. Right? So Faye just takes off running down the street. This whole movie, all Faye does is run in saddle shoes. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very comfortable. And she runs like very oddly. Like she's never run in her life. I don't know. I'm very confused by it. Well, she runs forever, and I've the, my whole thinking is, why wouldn't the library be near the switchboard or the radio station or downtown? How big is this town? Right. Anyways, so she says she knows how to break in, but she gets to this house, and yet she tries the front door when she just told us she had to break in. And then I was like, oh, is she at her house? I'm not sure if she's I, at her house. I, could, I never figured it out. She runs in the house, grabs the keys. She dumps over a, a pot and the keys are in there. And then she grabs like a cooking pot. I don't know why. And then hops on a bike. This town is not that big. You want to tell me the library's not downtown? This is what's in my notes. <laughs> then all of a sudden, sweet Jesus, this is a big library. This is like a big city or college library. Yes. That's like five times the size of our library. She's in that library in a second and she grabs all the tapes throws them in this giant pot and runs out to see Everett in a car he stole kind of sort of <laughs> and she says I stole a bicycle and I said you want to tell me how she rode her bike faster than he drove okay grandma what what the heck <laughs> he had to steal it first kind of sort of she ran and <laughs> rode a bike in this time I don't he had to finish the cigarette I don't know so they're in this car that he's he's stolen this car from somebody he knows, some Mr. So-and-so. Mm-hmm. When Everett went to go put the sound on the radio, he said, if anybody knows this sound, I will give whoever calls in a piece of Elvis's carpet. And so Faye says, are you really going to have Billy a piece of Elvis's carpet? And Everett's like, it's not his carpet, Faye. Why are you so dumb? It's from <laughs> Jess Purvis's house. And Everett tells her, shut up, Faye. And I'm, my notice saying, what the fuck, dude? I mean, why do you keep telling her shut up? I'm making knife motions. <sighs> so they go back to the radio station, and there's lots of tapes, and they all look the same. And Billy's like, it was clear. They're <laughs> all clear, Billy. They're all clear. And so, of course, the line goes dead. Faye's sitting there looking through stuff, and Everett's like, get out of my chair. And I was like, dude, calm down. There's more than one chair. And for some reason, in movies, things are always there for a reason. There's a Peter Pan album on display, and I don't know what they were trying to go with with that. I'm watching this whole movie. There had to have been some kind of symbolism there that I just missed. And Everett's like, if there's something in the sky, I want to know. So they start trying all the tapes. It's possible it could have been recorded over it. And I was like, what was this dude recording? It sounds like soap operas. All these all these so tapes, weird. Oh, my God. These tapes that they're playing are just weird conversations. Like, did you know Bessie did this? Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and Everett's like, I don't care if this gets me in trouble. It's good radio, and it'll get me a job on the West Coast. And Faye's like, I want to get out, too, probably, just maybe to a bigger switchboard. Dream big, Faye. Wow. Yeah. One little <laughs> sister, Maddie, is older. I had the whole time, is Maddie her kid? She never made her clear who Maddie was. But she's like, I want to work on a bigger board. I, and I had to do that, I have to go to a bigger city. And Everett's like, um, no college? It's the 50s and she's a girl, Everett. Why are you acting surprised? She says, I can't afford that because she's got a single mother and she's helping pay the bills. And he's like, um, get a loan. In parentheses, I have fuck you, I hate this guy. <laughs> I, I, oh my god, you, I, I wish you could see my face right now. I was like, Everett, what the f-? And it's taken a long time to load this tape. So I was like, this must be the one. Yep, sure enough, it is. <laughs> So Everett is back on the air asking if people have heard this sound because it's it's different than the last sound they played by just a hair or whatever. Right, and, right. and he's asking Billy to call back. And then I have my notes is she's not at the switchboard. Everett, how the hell is he going to call back? And how will the calls go through? Dirt, dirt. The lights flicker and go out and Faye loses her shit. So lights are out at the radio station, but there's lights on outside, not the station. And Everett's outside and he decides just to grab like a portable tape recorder and starts recording himself in case they have news for later. Faye is obnoxious as fuck and is freaking out because he changes his voice for his radio voice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's how radio sounds. 
And Faye just realizes she's a dumbass and needs to get back to the switchboard. (laughs) (laughs) Everett takes off in the car after her because she took off running again. But she's super fast. And he stops, pulls over and says, get in the car. She's like, I never ride in cars. I walk everywhere. I didn't even think about it. And I was like, she's a cocker spaniel. Like, she has (laughs) no goddamn common sense. And Everett's like, we're being spied on or about to be invaded by Soviets. They come in through the southern border. We're so close to the southern border. This is where they come. Mm-hmm. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Calm down, Everett. For sure, Calm Everett. Down. Yep. I mean, Faye is losing her shit. She's calmer than you are. So they finally get to the switchboard and Faye runs inside. The lines are going nuts. And Faye tells Everett that people are saying there's something in the sky. So Everett grabs the tape recorder and walks out. And the I can't remember how they displayed the time, if they showed a clock or if it popped up on the screen. I don't remember. Yeah, I, the, I have it in my notes as well. But this is when I had the, I saw the time. Yeah, so it was know. 7.45. And I was like, wasn't it 7.15, like three hours ago? Like, what the <laughs> hell? So outside of the switchboard... A car stops and uh, a man and woman get out and they're looking up at the sky. And apparently they have been following whatever this is. The phone rings. Faye's got to run back inside to answer it. And it's a lady who's calling into the radio station. So she puts Everett on with her. The woman says, I can tell you what's going on. I can tell you even more than that fellow told you on the radio. And I can give you more for your radio show. But you have to come and talk to me in person about what's in the sky. So she gives him her address and her name. Her name is Mabel Blanche. And she tells him, you'll have to let yourself in. I don't get around very well. Tells him where he can find the key and all. And he says, I'll be right there. So he and Faye load up and head over there. And on the ride, Faye calls him a jerk. I'm like, finally, Faye, call him like you see him. He is a jerk. And he says, you're on a stick with me tonight. And I was like, I don't know what that means, but I kind of well, like it. Just before that, because she's the reason she calls him is jerk, because I have this written down, is she says, you brought a tape recorder. Mine's not good enough. He's like, yours oh, yeah. is a toy. Yours is a toy. Don't get your feelings hurt. And she said, I won't. He says, because I hurt girls' feelings a lot. No, you don't. All, You've never had time, a date. All the time, I bet. Sure. You've never had a date. Calm sure down, Everett. Sure you do, Everett. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. So they get to the house and Faye is carrying Everett's huge, super sophisticated tape recorder. And Everett finds the key in the flower pot exactly where she said it would be. They let themselves in, not even a hey, we're here or a knock or nothing. Which <laughs> I have. I hope this lady shoots them when they walk in and this will be over. <laughs> End of movie. Nothing else happens. But unfortunately, She just calls out to them from the back of the house. She's like, I'm back here. And she's mumbling to herself in some weird language. And she asks Faye how old she is once they get back there. And she's 16. That was a question I had throughout the movie up to this point. I was like, how old is this girl? Because she's super, super immature. But she is 16. And asks who her parents are. And she has no dad, but her mom's a nurse. And Everett's like, okay, enough with this get-to-know-you session. I want to know what you were talking about when we walked in. Well, he says, what were you saying when when we came in? It's very disturbing. I said, I guess people speaking foreign languages are really scary in the 1950s. Because everybody's so damn racist. Right. That's what it comes down to. Well, they was like, I know, I'm sorry, I'm not a witch. Record me. I hope this will be a new story. I've been waiting my whole life for this. And she's like, I listen to your show every night. I hope you can get away from here and do something bigger because I tell you everything. But I have one request when I'm done. And Everett says, what is it? And she just launches into her story. There was no ag- right. There was no agreement, Mabel. Calm I, I, your shit. I, I, I was like, uh, okay, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> she says immediately, they've come here before. And now these things are happening more often. I have a better idea of what's happening. They've always liked this place, the people in the sky. And Everett's like, oh, you believe it. And she's like, yep. Have you ever heard about the Bulls Acre Raid? When I was little, they had just finished the rail line. And one day, a passenger train coasted into a stop outside town. And when the deputies got there, it was empty. Everyone assumed that the Apache Indians had killed everyone on board. 
But a few days later, this lady shows up in town and says she had jumped for the train and she's been hiding in the brush. Obviously didn't tell him she jumped for the train She because she wouldn't talk. So I don't know. They figured out she thought she jumped for the train. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh... It's very unclear. Mabel says her friend Charlotte's family took her in because her dad was the pastor and they telegraphed someone in El Paso to come and get her so they could get answers. And Mabel goes into the how when she was little, her parents died. So she lived many weeks of her life with Charlotte's family. So she was there when the woman was there. And that night, the woman from the train started muttering something in her sleep. It wasn't English or Spanish or Indian. So they listened and they remembered it. And then the next day, the woman was gone. She stole a horse and disappeared. So people started calling her the old horse witch. And I was like, rude. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's been through a lot. Calm down. And then Mabel's talking about how her sister raised her, but mostly she lived alone. And then she met this guy named Claude Maynard when he was installing telephone lines. And he knocked her up because she didn't know what sex was. And I was like, get to the point, Mabel. (laughs) He said he'd come back, but he never did. She ended up having a baby, a, a little boy named Hollis. And she's like, I was alone. I did my best. But last I heard, Claude had died in Texas, and that broke my heart. But one night she says she was nursing Hollis to sleep, and he started making sounds of an infant, you know, when they're falling asleep. But then they became clearer and more vocal. And then he spoke his first words. But his first words were the same words that that woman had muttered in her sleep. And they were coming out of her 10-month-old's mouth. And she's like, I try to tell people. They said it was baby noises, but to keep it to myself. Which I was like, thank you, doctor. You're helpful. Yes. And she says, Hollis was always different. I've got parentheses autistic. He would fixate on objects. He wouldn't hear you. But in sleep, he'd say those words over and over and over. So she wrote them down word for word. After a while, she just wrote them down. And she says he had no idea what he was talking about. When he was four, it got really windy outside. There was a sound like a really big windmill. And Hollis looked out the window. Mabel decided to read the mutterings that she'd written down to him. And she said he closed his eyes and just looked at the ceiling. Then his lips moved with mine, and a few minutes after I stopped, he went back to playing. And then I tried it again, but nothing. And she says, on those windy nights, I felt like something was out there. And when Hollis was nine, in the middle of the night, he walked out the front door and vanished. And Everett's like, how? And she said, he was taken from this house. I followed his footprints out the front door, and they stopped in the dirt. There was no car tracks. He didn't run off somewhere else. He just vanished from that spot. And she's like, they took my son. No one has ever believed me. People were convinced that since my son ruined my life that I killed him. And I didn't. They took him. And Everett says, so you recognize the sound on the radio? And she's like, no, but I know what's going on. I believe they're up there tonight. They stay away from big cities and wait for people to get together, like the game tonight. And when it's done, they'll be gone. They like people alone. They talk to people in their sleep like radios. And Everett's like, like your son did. Mabel's like, I'm not making this shit up. This is real. And she's like, at the lowest level, they send people on errands. They sway people to do things and think certain ways. So they were always cleaning house, losing weight or dressing up. They get in our heads and make us drink or overeat. I've seen good people go bad and smart people go mad. And I was like, it's called mental illness, Mabel. Jeez. No, it's alien, Stephanie. (laughs) At the highest level, they cause nations to go to war. Things that make no sense. Free will is impossible when they are up there. P.S. Mabel's wig is terrible. You're welcome. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Everett's like, I'm sorry about all the things that happened in your life that led you to to be such a crazy old lady. Mabel says, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And Everett's like, we gotta go. And Mabel's like, oh, by the way, we're gonna go back and pedal back to my request that you did not agree to, but I'm gonna hold you to. I want you to take me with you to the ship. I want to see my son. I know he's here tonight. And Everett's like, Faye, let's go now. And Mabel's like, wait, take my mutterings. Say this when you encounter people tonight. And Everett's like, fuck you, bitch, and just walks out deuces and just walks out the door. I said, Everett's like, yeah, no. I, he couldn't just, like, appease the old lady I and take know. it? No, just take it and be like, sure thing, Mabel. No problem, Mabel. Wink, wink to Faye. Yeah. So as they're leaving, Faye suddenly realizes that she's totally forgotten about Ethel and Maddie. <laughs> Hello. And she starts running again because that's what off she Off into does. the night. Yeah. Off just, into the night. Yeah, off into the night at around 8.13 p.m. And she runs to her house. She runs up the stairs and she finds Maddie in her crib, but there's no Ethel in sight. Then she busts into her friend Gretchen's house. Friend? Cousin? I don't know who this is. It, it's Gretchen. Okay. It's her friend Gretchen because her sure. dad has a camera. There you go. The Gretchen's dad has a camera. So she hands Maddie off and she's like, I need to take your dad's camera. And Everett's downstairs yelling for her. And I'm like, God, Everett, give her 
freaking five seconds. And so they load up in the car, but they have the baby. I don't know why she didn't just leave Maddie with Gretchen, but they've got Maddie and the camera, and they are going to go back to try to find the couple from before who had stopped outside of the switchboard. (laughs) I'm just reading over my notes, and they're so damn funny. I have to share them. Okay. (laughs) Because, okay, I've got Faye. I forgot about Ethel and Maddie. Runs into the night. Everett gets in the car like a normal person, yet she still beats him there. Faye runs in the house, yells for Ethel twice, grabs the baby, runs out of the house. Uh, fuck you, Ethel, I guess. (laughs) Faye is running to hold the baby. She goes to Gretchen's house for the camera. Faye, something's going on. Ethel is at home. She's supposed to watch Maddie, but the line got cut, and I didn't bother to look as she had fallen or was hurt. I just ran away because I got shit to do. (laughs) I like running. That's what she is. (laughs) She is the Forrest Gump of Cayuga, you guys. Everett's like, don't tell Gretchen that there's something in the sky. And she's like, who's she going to call? I'm not doing my fucking job. There's no one at the switchboard. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So she's back at the switchboard because she's really fast at running. And... (laughs) <laughs> she oh wait a minute, I guess they were in the car so she finds that there's one line lit up and conveniently it's Ethel right and she right. says that she was up on the roof with some guy I'm like okay Ethel you're supposed to be babysitting it's totally irresponsible and they saw something in this guy oh boy and the couple pulls up coincidentally right at that time and they're like come on it's it's right outside of town so Everett yells for Faye to come on and he and Faye and Matt just load into the back of this couple's car and they're like all right i guess this is what we're doing now so she tells them what ethel said ethel had said the thing was round and hiding in the clouds but the couple want to know what the old lady told them and everett says she said that they were up there and they take people and then he plays, I guess he was recording this interview with the lady. Oh, yeah. At the beginning, he asked her if it was okay if if he recorded it. So he plays those weird words that she had muttered. And while they're playing, the couple just starts like zoning out like they're being entranced by these words. And Faye starts freaking out because they're going down the road and there were cars coming toward them. But Gerald, the man's name is Gerald. The woman's name is Bertsy. And Gerald doesn't really seem to be responding. Everett turns off the recording and finally Bertsy and Gerald snap out of it and pull over. But Faye is totally over all of this shit. And she jumps out of the car with Maddie and she, I don't know if you can guess what she's doing, you guys, but she's running. (laughs) (laughs) Totally uncharacteristic of Faye. She is running away. And Everett runs after her and he catches up with her. And as he's looking around, he notices that the brush on the ground and all the surrounding trees are burnt. And they hear this staticky electrical humming. They look up and they see lights in the sky. And now they're running from this. And I couldn't tell if it was my screen where I was watching it, if it was really dark and then it becomes clear, or if it was just like my screen recognizes light in the room and then it kind of boosts. But it was very dark and you're just seeing these little speckles of lights. And then all of a sudden you see this object and it is a giant spaceship. And it's just like what you and vision of giant spaceship it's like brown very close encounter yes very all of that very much so and they are frozen in fear and awe and the wind starts whipping through the field and everett's holding on to faye faye's holding on to maddie and then everything goes dark suddenly we're back at the gym the game is over everyone's leaving the power slowly comes back on at the radio station because remember it was out even though all the lights around town were still on and then we see footprints in the sand that lead out towards everett's tape recorder that's kind of halfway buried in the sand and everett faye and maddie are gone the end the end we could have skipped the last hour if you'd have just listened to my synopsis at the beginning. But yeah. you are welcome. I, I'm so confused because, like, it's dark woods, yet they could see without falling. And the baby is unnaturally quiet. Like, not she screaming. Is, yeah, she's like, a good baby. Okay. I've got, I've got, because Faye says, are they in the forest? And Everett's like, I don't know, and starts walking toward the forest. And she's like, please don't. And he stops and grabs her as the ship comes closer. And I have Faye has, without a doubt, shit her pants. <laughs> And then I've got, at the end, poor Faye's mom. Just fuck her, I guess. Because she's gone from 
single mom to having nothing. Her right. and Mabel are gonna are gonna join a support group. Poor Mabel. All she wanted to do, she was like, just take me with you. Take me with you. I want to see my son. And Everett's like, nah. She could have been reunited. They could have taken her instead of them. Exactly. She would have probably been like, she would have been glad to go and see her son, who's probably still nine years old, because that's how I envision alien things working. It's like time doesn't move forward anymore. And at the very least... Like, what if he would have taken the words and did they even try saying the words when? Yeah, this, what does that do? Does that make it go away? Maybe it makes him babbity boo. I don't know. Oh wow, I'm sorry. You know, okay, since they thought when Mabel's son disappeared that she killed him, so are they gonna think Everett killed Faye and Maddie and oh, like, he was some creep and he disappeared? But then they were all at Mabel's house, so they gonna assume Mabel killed them all? Like, or maybe they're gonna just pin it all on poor Ethel. Who, she needs it. She needs it. Maybe Ethel got taken off of the roof. And now, I don't know. Where's Ethel? Hashtag where's Ethel? Well, I have the couple that picked him up and started driving around. I have from the beginning that this couple was acting shady as fuck. Because they were acting. Yeah, they were weird. They were very like, what was this? What did the old lady say? We have to know what the old lady says. And even Everett's looking at him like, uh, I'm not giving you the whole story. It was very weird. This whole thing's weird. And I have thanks. I hated it at the as the ending. So there you there you are. I didn't even actually write the end. I just said they're gone. <laughs> end of movie. That that's it. Yeah. So okay, guys, that was the vast of night. And I mean, it's what I thought it was going to be about, but it's not at all how I thought it was going to be. So yeah. Sorry. But the good news is you don't need to watch it. You can just listen to us make fun of it. And honestly, that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We will take that bullet for you. That's right. That's right. And but never again. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. I'm telling you, these trailers are tricky. If you would like to send us an email and tell us where you think Ethel is, uh, you could do that at that's so original podcast at gmail.com. Uh, where else could they find us, Tiffany, if they wanted to tell us how terrible they thought this movie was? You can find us on Twitter at That's So Pod. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram at That's So Original Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at That's So Original Podcast. We'd love to hear from you on some movie suggestions or series that you'd like to hear us cover. We'd love it if you'd send us memes of Faye as Michael Scott and I Run So Fast or Faye as I'm going to put Forrest her face Gump. on Forrest Gump. That's, that's what I'm going to do. That is what I'm going to do for our, our Instagram post. Because, oh, oh Faye. Oh, boy. We would love to hear from you. We would love to know that you're out there because we think you are, but we don't hear from you. I so think we... you are. According to our download counter, you're out there. But if you could please let us know, that'd be great. If you send me an email, I will send you something super amazing in return. No, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're just going to have to find out. So It's there's nudes. Your... It's nudes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's your directive. Send me an email and we'll just, uh, we'll just see what happens, you know? Okay. All right. Well, thanks for joining us and stay tuned to our gag reel. Uh, This whole episode, honestly, is kind of (laughs) a gag reel, so we might not have one. But just thanks for taking this ride with us and we will talk in your area next time. Bye. Bye.